0: Mood.tv
1: Welcome back, all of you beautiful woodland creatures. Today, we've got Will Shalda, also known as the artist Swivs. And he, a man after my own heart, would be called an autodidact. He's also a multimedia artist and a self-diagnosed compulsive creative. I also love that. What's not to love about that? Been a musician in and around New York City for over 25 years. He does music. He does videos. He does music videos. He does it all. Welcome to the show, Swivs. Yo. Thanks for having me. Any time. And and we got we got the norms. We got both the regular fellas. We got the Greg man. <laughs> That's right. He's here. Back again. Only missed one episode this time. Well, you did miss an episode, so you're a streak to the
2: tune of one. I'm working on it. I've missed an episode. I'm working but on it. That's okay. I, I just checked up.
0: It's like episodes since last. I'm back on the board. You're back. You're back. That's <laughs> it. That's it. And we got the EJ five thousand. I'm so excited. We've been talking about the Muppets a lot, so I'm gonna go waka waka waka. <laughs> wow.
1: All right. Good. I want to hear a bunch of like dad style jokes. Yeah. I want to hear Fozzy level <laughs> jokes out of you all night. Although you know we we tend to do Fozzy level jokes, so there there is that. Roll top. Ooh. We haven't hit the Roll Tops in a while. Uh, somebody texted me about Roll Tops, actually, which is funny. That was very kind of them. Actual Roll Tops or Roll Top Jokes? Roll Top Jokes. Somebody texted me that I like I hadn't talked to in a, in a while, and they're still listening, so thank you for listening. And they mentioned Roll Top Jokes. So anyways, we brought it back, so I hope that
0: edifies them. For the new listeners, yeah, we used to make, f- we still make constantly bad jokes, and I pictured, or whoever it was, that we have an old Roll Top desk, and that's where we write these jokes down. Wasn't it an Anthony walking in his Ebenezer Scrooge nightgown? with a candle
1: going to his roll top to write the question. Stumbling around in the middle of the night. I wake up with a terrible joke in my head. That's how it goes usually. You'd light the candlestick and grab your quill, dip it in the ink. (laughs) Exactly, exactly.
0: Yeah, I'm (laughs) sitting there. Upon his roll top desk.
1: Roll top! (laughs) Scratching out a joke that's funny maybe to me. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not beyond. (laughs) Uh,
0: Well, I have prepared
1: a question for this week. Let me ask you a question. And the question... Is something, actually, we're going to go way back. We're going back to before the show was even a show. Whoa. Wow. And we, we, we toyed with the idea of calling the show something like, would you prefer? And so this is a would you prefer kind of question. And we're going to start there and we'll see, we'll see how it spills out of the bucket. But to start there, the question is something like this. Would you prefer to feel a little embarrassed for yourself or a little embarrassed for someone else? And why? Huh. Just a little embarrassed? Yeah, I want to start with a little embarrassed, because, like, greatly embarrassed, like, I would rather not be mortified, ever. I'd much rather be embarrassed for someone else.
3: I mean, you know, that's, you kind of go, oh, ah,
1: oh, geez, that's
3: too bad. It's good thing on me, because it's, that sucks for them right now. <laughs> Uh, is that cruel? I mean, what does that say about, is that what I'm supposed to get out of this? It's like, oh man, that makes me a horrible person. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't need, we can, we don't need to do a whole hour on that. Like I, I could have just told you that. You could
1: have cut right to the chase. I should have just asked, are you horrible? Why? Yes, I am. Thank you. Good night. Okay. All right. So it is better to be a little embarrassed for somebody else. Can you watch them? You know, you get to dodge the bullet. I relate to that for sure embarrassment is probably you know while we're on the topic here i th- i would say then because
3: i've thought about this that i think maybe embarrassment might be one of my worst fears out of everything else like oh. being embarrassed because i'm like what you know what do you you know when you're just around certain social circles and you say something wrong i mean what what's the worst that can happen you're embarrassed like you know if you hmm. you know this day and age you got to watch what you say like right now like I, we could you know yeah. Every, everything we do is like this. It's like a tattoo that we got to look back on someday. It's Absolutely. there. Like, you know, the internet is, it's there. It's going to be there. So, I mean, and you guys got four years of these tattoos, man. You're going to have a lot to be embarrassed about. Lots of embarrassment. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but I think, I think that's a really good point that mostly what social anxiety really, really is, is your a fear of embarrassment through others. Right. That's really what it is. I right. It's mm-hmm. the heart of it. I never really thought of it that way. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess I have that same fear then because I do get anxious in, in larger social settings. Um, right. Unless again, there's rules like like performing doesn't make me nervous. We talked about it on sure. last episode because it's like, there's rules. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know what you're supposed to do. Cool. Mm-hmm. But whenever it's like, yeah, socially things can get, can get awkward. Yeah.
3: Yeah. If you're right to say anxiety, it's certainly an, an anxiety based uh, thing because you have the social anxiety and you're right. What is that anxiety for? Is because like, I'm afraid I'm going to embarrass myself do something stupid and then you know one of the things that i miss so much about drinking uh maybe i should take this opportunity to mention that it's been eight years since i've had a drink and these guys Ooh. are pounding beers right now i could watch them <laughs> yeah the- and i'm i'm about to lick the screen but <laughs> but it that was one of the hardest parts of quitting was that fearlessness is gone so i i kept for years for the years i was drinking i kept i would say to myself like why are you doing this man like your life is pretty good. Your family's pretty good. Your friends are pretty cool. You know, you're, you're a relatively talented dude. Like what? You know, you've got a job. And uh, what am I trying to drink away? And then when I quit and all that social anxiety came back and mm. everything I said or did, I thought, that's incredibly stupid. Don't say or do any of that. And I was like, oh, this is what I was drinking away. Mm. <laughs> this horror that happens in my head all the time. Is what I was. And so, and, and it's weird. Like after like, you, it never goes away, but you get used to it. Mm. Like as I'm speaking to you right now, there's this little thing in the back of my head that says like, this is really stupid. Why are you still going on about this? But like, it's just, you, you learn to ignore it and it annoy all your friends. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there is a comparison. I mean, I feel like when we get embarrassed often, it's like, because what we're doing all the time when we talk to other people is kind of balancing uh, the things we're thinking against before we started recording, I was talking about a third entity. (laughs) And then we talked about my name being entity, which is a lovely thing. Lovely thought. But anyways, not to go back too far. But anyways, the idea of that whenever you're talking to somebody else or a group of people, there's always an an invisible other person there, you know, and what you're trying to do is compare the things you're saying to what you think that other person would be okay with. The invisible person that is like, the mean or the average between you all, you know? And so it's really easy hmm. to be embarrassed because you're always kind of balancing this juggling act of like this, this grand other thing that's there and worrying about are you pleasing it in the way that the other people think jives with them, you know? Right. So, and that's hard.
3: Like that social contract they talk about, like there's just a certain social norm that you know that you're supposed to adhere to without yes. saying anything, you know? And, and that could differ from person to person. It's all
1: about reading the room, which we talk about a lot too. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely true. Know your audience. Yeah. All right, Greg Man, where are you coming down here?
2: Yeah, I agree. And I am a terrible person as well, because I would <laughs> much rather feel embarrassment for somebody else than myself. It's like like you said, yeah, I mean, you just I would have to think about that embarrassment further and further and further if it was myself. Whereas it just becomes a fun story if it's somebody else. And, you know, the embarrassment to myself probably at some point would also become a fun story. But at least if it's someone else, I got a story right off the bat, as long as I don't mind retelling it. And I, most situations, especially with you guys, I wouldn't mind retelling it. Um, so, yeah, I am definitely
1: on on that team. I am all about somebody else's embarrassment over mine. When you have an embarrassing thing happen to you, this could be all any one of you three. How, does it take a long time for you to kind of, how long is it kind of lodged in your amygdala when you've done something that you at least perceive to be embarrassing? I personally
2: now, at least in my later years, I just try to like, depending on the situation, I try to immediately embrace it as like a, an acknowledgement. Like, yep, I'm embarrassed. I did that, but it happened. There's nothing I can do about it. So if we want to talk about it some more, like, let's talk about it. <laughs>
3: It's funny because it's a it's like a defense mechanism in and of itself. I mean, and, and mm-hmm. really the only thing you can do. I mean, you could deny it. You can just say like, yeah. oh, well, the, no, that wasn't me. Or, but uh, you know,
1: <laughs> I didn't pee myself. I had a juice box in my pocket. <laughs> I know we're all thinking about pissing ourselves and shitting ourselves.
3: Yeah. Oh, you can say like, I just shat myself. Would you like to speak about it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah,
3: I like that you don't leave the room. You just double down. Shall we discuss or shall we just move on with the conversation? <laughs> yeah. And s- just smell.
1: Yeah, my pants are a different color and but you should still give me this job well
3: then you get like defensive about it that's even better like it's like yeah i pissed myself what like and then then you like put it on the other person like what's wrong with you for not like thinking that's all right like there's nothing embarrassing about yeah. that is there something wrong with
1: don't be you? embarrassed for me don't be embarrassed for me i'm not embarrassed you're willing to marinate like you're willing to go the yeah. step further and just kind of wallow in it would be a particularly yeah. interesting kind of human and I don't know if I'm envious of that person. Maybe I'm envious of that person. Wouldn't it be, maybe it'd be better to be that person. I don't really know.
0: Maybe. Well, I was going to say that too, when we were talking about the the whole social anxiety thing. And like, I, I guess the four of us have some sort of it, or I guess a, a, normal, uh, a normal reckoning of what it is to be in person. But there's people that aren't uh, like that. There are uh, dicks. There's people who do not know the social construct and don't seem to really worry about what people think. And um, it's not good either. I don't. I, I don't. Th- I think the middle ground is the best place to be. You should kind of care the way that you're acting, right? But also not in a way that you don't act altruistic to yourself. Or, or well, I mean, what
3: you're talking about is like
0: it's la- not so much uh,
3: being embarrassed for someone, but I would, you know, if someone's eaten, someone's eating onions on the subway, like on the train, I'm just like, I'm not embarrassed for them. I'm just like, that's not right. Like, you don't do that. Like, yeah. Totally. Just like, come on. Like, you know, the only time I think it's okay to eat onions on the train is if it masks the smell of human feces. Like if that's if those are the two conflicting smells, then I'll take the onions like that's fine. Open (laughs) up your Subway sandwich and eat it. That's cool.
1: Gregor man's on the train.
3: But first, how are you eating next to that? But anyway, I'm cool with it in that situation and that situation only. (laughs) This has come up and I've had to make this. I I actually, you know. It's happened to you with an onion eater with an onion eater. The onion eaters are the worst to me on the train. But again, that's not like a situation where I would be embarrassed for them. I would yeah, just yeah. be kind of like I would be judgmental and very judgmental in that way.
1: well, here's an interesting thing. like let's in a in a thought experiment, say you're in some kind of social gathering, which you know, of which we know nothing anymore, but just per se, so we're at a social gathering. This is kind of speaking to what you were talking about, e j. You witness somebody who you know. Because maybe you know everybody at the party a little better than that person. And they're saying all the things that would rub all these people the wrong way. But you don't want to say anything in front of everybody because you don't want to, like, immediately beat them over the head with their, like, you should be embarrassed about this. You know, but that that is a particularly... For me, I feel like that would be a really gnawing experience to like know the thing that they are doing that is rubbing everyone the wrong way. And they have no idea.
0: So you're embarrassed for them and they're not embarrassed. Correct. So that's like an even third scenario where it's like, is it is it worse to be embarrassed for somebody that doesn't know that they should be? Or is it better for them to be embarrassed and then you know it and that's fine?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this is getting <laughs> this we're peeling the onion as it were. But I mean, uh. Yeah, I think but by, by EJ you were talking about something like that and I'm just taking it to a different kind of similar place. Sure,
0: sure. Yeah, I I'm sure I've been in situations like that too, but then that's kind of that's kind of that social awareness thing too where yeah, some people don't know that they should be embarrassed at all and that's kind of a, a kind of a gift and a curse, right? Those people seem to be more free. Um but also I wouldn't want to be that person. I want I want to be a little <laughs> a little considerate of other people. I want to I want to worry that I am saying the wrong thing and I don't want to offend people to a certain degree. Yeah, a little offensive. You know, I still want to be me. I'm still yeah. going to make jokes that I think are funny on purpose, you know, and and I'm hopefully that's that's how you find who your audience is too long term, you know, like you guys are my friends. I could say things around you and it's cool because we've we've tested those waters, mm. you know, and and you guys can call me out if I am saying something that's a little too far, but we all tend to to be in that same pool, thankfully. So mm-hmm. sometimes when you're meeting new people, you got to test the waters, but you got to hope that they realize that you're testing the waters too, Ooh. which can be a tricky thing. This is interesting. An- uh,
2: another layer of that though, Anthony, for you, and I'd like you to answer because I was just thinking about- <laughs> 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 kind of if yeah. you are bringing that person that you're talking about who doesn't know they're embarrassing themselves this is
1: my next question Gregor, man yeah are you then embarrassed because
2: you are because like you know obviously I've I've come like Our most recent hangouts before I left the city were like you invited me up to play poker and now you're introducing me to this other group of your friends. If I started putting my foot in my mouth without realizing it, are you then embarrassed because you brought me around? Are you embarrassed for me because I don't know I'm embarrassing myself? Or even if you pulled me aside and told me I was embarrassing, like how does that layer then work? Yeah,
1: I feel like if we were in the mob, I would have to kill you.
3: (laughs) (laughs) The Game of Thrones
1: Sopranos.
3: I don't know this dude. I don't know this.
1: Yeah, he he followed me here. (laughs) Yeah, I think it gets to be like that. But I mean, have you ever been in that experience? Any of you, where you you bring somebody along that you become really aware of really fast, that you particularly find them fun to be around, but not anyone else.
2: (laughs) I I have. um, It's not that I wouldn't say that I I particularly felt like there's I (laughs) damn. So I, I always get called for like being too nice to people at times. Um, and I had a friend when I lived in, in Brooklyn who often rubbed other people the wrong way. And I kind of knew it. And like I would very much weigh whether I would invite him places or not. But sometimes it just happened. Mm. And then I'd have to just deal with it. Yep. And it'd usually be me making excuses like after the fact, like, oh, he left. Now I can be like, hey, listen, sorry. You know, I couldn't get out of hanging out with that guy. I apologize. Yeah. <laughs> and that's definitely a situation where I'm embarrassed for bringing him around. But. I, you know, it's because I'm like, he's, he's a good guy. Like I know he's a good guy, but, and then, but then like, I'd always go home thinking like, is he though?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know people exactly like that.
3: The way you said it, it was like, you were trying to convince yourself like he's a good guy. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's like you started. Needless to say, that guy's no longer in my life and cut him off a little while, a while back.
3: I actually dated a girl that I had a, a difficulty like bringing around for that reason for to yeah. like specifically to family functions like hanging with my friends who were on the level she was you know she was far out but I would actually have to tell her like before we would go to like Easter dinner at my you know my mother's house like look my grandmother's gonna be there can you just not bring up the Illuminati like at the at the table can you not talk about how like you know about the reptilian overlords because she would just go into this like David Icke and like all yeah. this yeah conspiracy theory stuff which is really interesting and her and my brother like love talking about and I love talking about that but it was just like she would not know what else to say at the dinner table and if like if there was a lull in conversation she, she leads would be like it. what about the Anunnaki and how do you feel about you know the aliens coming down and having us mine for gold to fuel their ships and I'd be like can you just pass the meatballs
1: grandma you pass the yams <laughs> yeah shut up just not now but well, here's the question though they- Based on that, though, is I mean, this is this is blowing the lid off. I think this is like super interesting is should (laughs) should the embarrassment be ours at all? Like, are we actually responsible for that problem or not? Or is it really it's just their problem and we don't have to feel embarrassed for them? It depends. Like,
3: okay, so my family, because they love me and they knew that I loved her. We're like, okay, yeah. well, okay, you know, they just like, <laughs> yep. they'll take it. But like, if I'm hanging out with a group of friends who just don't have that same, like, we have to know this guy and that's going on, then then it becomes a problem because then, yeah, then you'll have a situation where it's like, uh, why the hell do we hang out with you again? Because this is not really like, this is, it's definitely a reflection on you, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yep. the company you keep, mm-hmm. it's gotta be, yeah. you know?
0: Ooh. If you bring the shitty meal to the potluck, People are going to be mad at you because gonna- you brought it Right it's on you. And the host has to throw it away. Exactly. That's, that's often at the host's responsibility. And then if you brought it, you got to leave with it. That or that.
2: When, you know, then you should go outside and throw it in the first trash can you see anyway. Because you're like, I'm not bringing this
0: shit home with me. <laughs> Have you guys ever been that person knowingly in a situation where you were the one that Was the embarrassment like were you not knowingly,
1: probably not knowingly. This is the thing. This is the whole problem is we don't know.
3: I hate to mention this, but, you know, there are EJ, Eric, you can vouch for the fact that I probably have embarrassed myself quite a bit over the years, but was just too messed up or just, you know, inebriated to even know it. I probably thought I was some kind of hero at the time, but yet the whole room could have been like, "Oh my God, what? Look at that guy! What an idiot!" Like <laughs> that. Mo- that probably happened a lot more, and this ties back into what you were saying earlier, Anthony, about how like does it like you know or like it, you know does it matter if you don't even recognize it? Like does it? Yeah. Then it's not embarrassment. You just. I walked out of those rooms thinking like, yeah, that's right. I shat my pants. <laughs> and what? <laughs> Good night. You know, and then like, that was so badass when I shat my pants. And then, you know, and you think you you won, but but you, you're just the butt of the joke. <laughs> I, I, that never happened, by the way. I never shat it.
1: That is interesting, though. I wonder if it's better to be like the blissfully pants shitting person that is just doesn't. They are not phased by that entity that always exists, that is always like... I think this is beyond the point of embarrassment, though. I think there is a point of, like, shame and things like that. Like, that invisible thing is always holding you in a place of possible shame because they represent all of what you think society is. And you're trying to measure it against what everybody else in the room thinks of that invisible thing. And so I wonder, though, is it kind of nice to be just blissfully, like... I'm just going to jump sides and be wherever in my own head about what I think is improper or proper. Maybe that's actually better. Personally, might not get you far in life because there is a whole lot of societal shit in the way. But I wonder if it is just kind of nicer to be like, I'm going to shit my pants and that's comfy. I think actually that people who don't care probably get ahead in life a lot more. Uh, yeah, totally. Those are the people
3: who... And you know again, being a New Yorker, born and raised, I mean if we're getting into the arena of self- awareness, I would say that i'm hyper self aware like I just and I loathe when people do things that I feel are just inconsiderate or just doesn't make any sense, like blasting their phones on the mm-hmm. train like without headphones on stuff where I'm just like we don't need to hear that, the onion thing you know you just encounter it on a daily basis where there's just people who just don't care, and you know, and again, like that's just like nope, me it's kind of just says. No, no, no. Me first. Yeah. Like, no, you don't understand. Like, I'm going to do whatever I want and fuck you, basically. And that's yep. how they live their lives. And and I think these people do get ahead. I, you know, why wouldn't they? Sometimes I, I wish I was more like that sometimes. i to
2: say that's what gets, you know, people like us even more angry, though, is because you're like, they are getting ahead right, but they, and they
0: shouldn't. And we're like, there's rules. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> don't you know there's rules? Yeah.
1: We live in a society. <laughs> Stop doing that.
0: And we're wasting our <laughs> imagination. And, and our, our brain power on these people while they're thinking whatever they're thinking, which is, you know, stereotypically, what is it? They say like CEOs or are or, or, or mostly sociopaths. And uh, what's the other one? Uh, blacksmiths. Guess, and blacksmiths. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Narcissists. So like they, they tend to only think about themselves yeah. more stereotypically. Again, I read a blog or something. So if you have less self-awareness, you're more likely to, to be the shark that that eats the fish you know so yeah to some extent i think that ignorance is bliss in that degree
1: well let's take a break here because i think it'll be a good place to pick it up after our after our little break but uh everybody you know have enjoy your break have a good time don't embarrass yourself and we will be we will be right back momentarily
0: From that wonderful break, Swivs, Will, would you tell us what song that was, where the inspiration was for it, where we can hear you a little bit? We'll do more plugs at the end, but please give the audience a little, a little.
3: Sure. Uh, that song was called "Stand Again." It's off my last record, and uh, I shouldn't say record; it's an album. I keep making that mistake. It's not on vinyl. I don't have vinyl yet, but it's uh, you know it's available on Bandcamp and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, I just I. You know, your typical run-of-the-mill, fed-up-with-the-world, uh, you know, screaming, like... You know, it's a bit of an angry old man in that song, because I'm <laughs> talking about here comes the new generation, another false sense of invention. It's like you hit a point in your life where you're looking back and you see the kids, like, and they they all think that, like, this is... No, but this is important. This is the <laughs> first time this has ever happened. <laughs> and you're like... No, I'm sorry. You, you'll get used to it. You know, this is... <laughs> I remember having that realization like after, I think, when the Twilight movies came out. And I remember thinking, really? Do we really need more vampire movies? And then it dawned <laughs> on me, like, oh, wait, there's new people. There's, like, new people who, who people don't. People have been born. <laughs> yeah, there are people who have been born since I saw Dr- Bram Stoker's Dracula <laughs> with Gary Oldman. Uh, you know, so I'm like, oh, so now there's a whole new generation of people who need to know about vampires, though. So. So I forgave.
0: I just, you got to time it. You got to time it just right. To relate it back to the show, our relationship goes back quite a few years. We played in uh, two bands together, at least, that I can remember. One was this uh, wonderful band called Nixon Agnew, which was uh, like literally 15 years ago now. Wow. And then I also was the bass player in Pablo for a short time, which is another band that you were a part of with your brother. Yes. Um, so would you like to expand upon your musical world? Or are we here just for Swivs? I'm happy to. No. Well.
3: Pablo is kind of technically still around as Paul and the Tall Trees, which is my brother Paul's band. And, you, you know, they, he I mean, he, he's just he's got this otherworldly, beautiful voice. I mean, you know what I mean? He's like a like the a Rolls Royce to my like little rusty like gremlin <laughs> off in the you know what I mean? Like my my music is like this toy music where he's got this beautiful, 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 uh, just like, you know, sweeping Very cinematic stuff. So if you can check that out, Paul and the tall trees, he's on big crown records. He's got tons of stuff and I still play with him. We just actually toured with built the spill opening for built the spill not too long ago, Awesome, which was like a dream come come true for both of us. Wow. Um, So that's still going on. Uh, What else I got? I got this Billy Swiv's project I'm working on out here, uh, which is, you know, a return to rock and roll for me, as I've mentioned to you guys during the break, you know, for a minute there, uh, you know, my old, all my lo-fi home recordings are great and stuff, but I just, you know, I played a show with my old band, which were the Realistics. We're still together. And that's something else you guys can check out. This other band, the Realistics I'm in. And uh, that lit the fire into my ass to start doing music again. And I want to play live again. So now I'm trying to get that going on. So, you know, and then the pandemic came along and punched everyone's dreams in the nuts. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're just kind of, if you have nuts, I'm sorry. I mean, I should be all <laughs> In the private.
1: Proverbial nuts. Yeah. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. punch vaginas or anything you got. Whatever you got down Whatever there.
3: you got, whatever you choose to believe you have down yeah, there. Yeah, they'll punch you. You got punched in it. You got it. They'll punch it. You know, it hurt. It just hurt <laughs> everyone. And so, you know, again, it's its a very strange time because, you know, you just kind of, you can't help. Like Everyone felt it. You know, so for me, it's like, oh, I couldn't get my band together. Like, you know, it's like, shut the fuck up, man. You know, people get real problems. People have real problems or anything. So, uh, you know, that's but that's that's where I was at with it. So hopefully, hopefully soon, you know, there'll be live music again and we'll be able to rock and roll. So there's that Billy Swift's project. I'm also in a band called the Shahadaz, which is my father's band. I, you that's know, a dream
0: come true, man. That's amazing. Like, I, I, yeah, how, that's really cool. How did that come about? Wait, like you, I, I know. I, I remember seeing when that had happened, and that just it just made me so happy. Oh, thanks. Yeah, me too. Me
3: too. That's all. Tommy Brennick of, uh, you know, Dunham Records, who is an old friend. You know him. I'm sure you've met him. He's in the Budos band, and he's also uh, was the producer behind Charles Bradley and his Extraordinaires, and, you know, he's also, you know, Menahan Street Band. So, I mean, you know, he was the one who kind of believed in my dad. He liked my dad, and my dad, you know, was an old doo-wop singer. And I always felt a little jealous, I'll be honest, hanging out with Tommy and my dad, because Tommy and my dad could talk guitars, and they could talk, like, all the stuff that I couldn't... I still can. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So, uh, but yeah, Tommy just said, like, yo, we got to do a record, and so... Here's my dad. Now, I think some of you guys are dads. Are all of you dads? I am not a dad. Two out of three. Two out of three. It ain't bad. Two out of three. Okay, I'm not a dad. I'm not a dad either. I'm not ruling it out, but I'm just not one yet. <laughs> but, um, you know, my dad gave up his musical dreams to raise these three kids and then, you know, just he ended up getting a chance through Tommy and through Daptone and Dunham records to put out his record. That's like 70 years old. That's so cool. Oh, that's awesome. So is it amazing? I mean, I, am I, they're so sick of Daptone is so sick of hearing me say, thank you. Like I, I don't blame them because I mean, but, what that did for my dad and my family, like, it's just, I mean, I, I can't, you know, I mean, the album's beautiful. I'm not, my dad's no slouch. It's not like they just took some bum and said, here you go, Billy, sing it a couple of tracks. We'll let you sing. <laughs> like, I mean, the songs are beautiful. So, I mean, you know, it, it's worthy of the label, but it's still really nice of them to have, have done all that. And specifically for Tommy and Gabe to pushed that.
1: Holy shit. Coolest experience ever.
3: Yeah, it's pretty neat. But now I have something to beat my dad at. My dad's got this album out. Now, I don't know if you've noticed my mug. It's just... I'm just kind of a Star Wars nerd? <laughs>
2: mm. I, I did notice it before, I will say.
3: Thank you. So what kind of Star Wars nerd would I be if I didn't want to defeat my father? Like, I needed something to beat him at. That's what life is, yeah. It's all just one big let's kill our fathers type of situation if you're a Absolutely. Again, proverbial. Proverbial fathers. Prover- <laughs> for Proverbial nuts.
1: Proverbial killing. I mean, I don't know about, you know, banging mom, but the Oedipus thing is there for everybody a little bit. Is Carmine getting his
0: own band yet, too? I mean, it seems like everybody else, or no?
1: He is. We're working on that combine's
3: uh working on a hip-hop record where he's writing some rhymes yeah that's awesome yeah we, we don't stop man we're a very busy group of people we're the shot the shadows don't sleep there's uh, we i think there's something wrong with us i've i've i'm calling it compulsive uh creativity it's where we just don't know how to i want that how to stop you guys have it we're talking about it. four years you guys have been doing this this is this is it yeah this that is, is
1: true ej don't no no, this no don't, don't shit
0: on this Fuck, fuck! you! <laughs> <laughs>
3: What's wrong with you? You guys are amazing. This is fantastic. I'm having a blast.
0: I do have to ask, because there's one project yours that I wasn't aware of that you were talking about on that interview. If you go over to uh, your website, you can see a link to it there. Um, your your first band was a. Rap band out of Staten Island.
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, tell me about this. This is amazing. And the
3: name was great, too. It's, it's, thank you so much for feigning interest in all of
0: this because I
3: don't,
1: <laughs> that's I don't not know true. man. I
0: love
3: you. That's, that's this is so interesting. But uh, I was in a band called, my first band was called Pseudo Hoodlum. Now, here's a fun story. Pseudo Hoodlum. Oh, now, this. the name came, the name was written, there was this guy I went to high school with. His name was Dave Jaffe, David Jaffe. And I I'm embarrassed to admit this. I was young and I think his brother came up with it. And it was something that, you know, growing up on Staten Island in the 90s and the early 90s and being weird. I mean, you'd get the crap beat. We'd get the shit beaten out of us on a daily basis. They used to call they used to call me all sorts of stuff. Like they would call us freak and, you know, uh, faggot. And they would say they would call us these things. To the point where, like, when Hipster came around, I was like, oh, that's great. This, we'll, I'll take that. That's fine.
1: <laughs> I can duck and under it. you don't
3: understand, like, what it was like. Yeah. Like, now you have green hair and I dress the way I dress. And they're like, oh, you Hipster. I'm like, yeah, that's fine." <laughs> but so, but anyway, we came up with a name for the types of people that would call us this and we called, and he would call them Pseudo-Hoodlam. His brother thought of it. And so I adopted hmm. it as a name for the band. And then I went on a radio show on at Staten Island, College of Staten Island. And when the guy asked me, Jay Miller, who actually now I think he works, writes for uh, Impractical Jokers um, as well as he has an amazing show. But uh, he asked me on his show, like, oh, so where'd you come up with the name? And I totally said, like, I made it up. And and then like I had to go back the next day and like see this kid and he, and he heard the show and was just like, dude, that's messed up that you did. So, David Jaffe, <laughs> if you're listening for whatever reason, <laughs> I'm sorry I took credit for the name Sudohudlum. I never I felt horrible about that for years for some reason. And we sounded it was like pre Rage Against the Machine, pre 311 rap meets rock based primarily on our obsession with Paul's Boutique, uh, the Beastie Boys record. So, and so we had a song called about, uh, it's called, it went bow, wow, wow. Yippee yo, yippee yowski. I'm in love with Kelly Kapowski. (laughs) Kelly. (laughs) We had, you know, and this was, uh, Seth Zaplin was the singer and he was the MC. Um, and he, you know, he came up with some really good stuff. Actually, we were, we weren't bad. So that was, that was the band that I was talking about. You know, when we were on Staten Island, it was all hardcore bands. So nobody wanted whatever we were. So, uh, but it was fun.
0: Post-pandemic reunion, hopefully?
3: You know, I think uh, half the members are dead. No, I'm just kidding. They're (laughs) fine. (laughs) Everyone's fine. I just thought I'd bring it down (laughs) somewhere horrible. Only
1: one quarter. It's not so bad. Only
3: I am inside. (laughs) (laughs) Which doesn't really...
1: How many different genres of music would you say you have played in a band?
3: Man, uh, uh, that is... A crazy question, probably uh, way too many. Yeah, you know it's fun, it's that. funny that you ask because I don't know what to do anymore. I think it's really crazy because it's like if you have so many different styles. Yep. Te- all right. If you have more than one style, then technically you don't have style because to have a style is to have a single significant thing and way of doing things. So to have many of them immediately negates the ability to have
1: any at all. Because, you know, do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Well, Swivs, this is getting, this is the thing I think about. This is the thing that keeps me up at night because I think about pretty much exclusively this because we're living in a time. Okay. We're not going back to embarrassed stuff anymore. We're just, we are firmly in music world. We're just going to, we're going to get into it and we're going to own it. And I love it. So I think about this all the time and why it's important to me is I think it's interesting that we are living uniquely in the first time in which history, all of history has been condensed and flattened so hard that there's not a lineage anymore. We can't look back and say, this is my lineage. What we do now is we look on the internet and now all of history has been condensed so flat that it's just space. And so if, if we're interested in being informed by 1523, the year, we can live in that year forever forever. And we, or we can live in 1984 forever, or we can live in any time forever because there's so much in, there's so much information on the internet now that we actually, there's no way of having a way to position ourselves historically. So like what you're saying, like really scratches a certain itch for me because I I talk about this all the time and I think about this all the time, but how... Mm. It's finding ways to move forward, despite the fact that we don't have access to like a defining thing anymore. We're bombarded with too much stuff because it's all spatial. It's all spatial now. It's not historical. And what do you do then? If we're talking about,
3: you know, we're talking about entertainment right now. We're talking about music. We're talking about the, and if you think about it, we're talking about pop culture. And that for us started around 1950 and in the 1950s with the advent of of television, really. I mean, it goes back a little bit further. But then we're talking about the 1900s. We're talking about decade-based uh, pop culture and trends. So we can say, oh, the the 40s. I mean, way back to the roaring 20s. But then we got like, oh, that's 60s. Oh, yeah, the 70s music, 80s music, 90s. And then, you know, so we had these little definitive little chunks that we were able to define. Like, this is what this is. Right. And meanwhile, it's freaking crazy because it's all based on some crazy-ass calendar that, like, we don't even know where the hell we got that from. Yeah. We started counting <laughs> yeah. at some point. So what I think is what you're saying is the internet, I agree with you. It kind of just kids these days, I hate to say that kids these days, but you know what I mean? Like this generation of people who grew up with the internet, it's all there. So now like kids are like, we were all raised on the same television, same radio, Exactly. but now there's so much available to everyone all the time. That there is no way, like, you know, you could be in the same class as a kid who, like you said, is just raised on, like, you know, music from the 50s. And then this kid over here is raised on 90s music because his parents weren't into that. And nobody is, like, kind of syncing up. Correct. Like, what are the odds that all the kids these days are watching the same YouTube videos? Because there's so many, I have nieces, they're all watching. I mean, this is getting a little crazy.
0: I but no, but they are. I see. I just where I did. I disagree with Anthony. I I disagree still. Like there's still a homogenization. There is a broader amount of information, but there always was to a degree. If we go back to the 1900s, there was a lot less people on this planet. The explosion of people has risen proportionally with the rise of technology. If you actually look at it, like I think what 1900 we had like what one or two billion people, and now we're up to what eight or nine billion people. Right. So With the amount of technology and information, so too has the amount of people. So therefore, we have more odds of there being these pockets. But I don't disagree that now it's going to seem a lot weirder and that certainly the forest from the trees, like we talk about, like, how do we know what 2000 looks like? Well, we kind of the further we get away from it, the more clear that. The message that gets packed into what we see is that. But I saw like an interesting uh, a tweet or something today that talks about uh, the flu pandemic of 1918 and how, like, there's not a whole lot of literature or songs or photographs or books written about that time because, like, this time people don't want to talk about it. And so, historically, that was very significant. But people were just so tired of it that they didn't talk about it. So there will be different times like now where we're going to historically ignore this really big thing. Of course, this isn't a pop culture thing, but the pop culture might be more in the forefront now because we're totally ignoring the history right now. Like who wants to remember that shit show of a president we had? We're probably going to really remember a lot of the pop culture from that time because we're so tired of the other stuff that's going on. So I feel like there's like this balancing game going on with the historical context versus the pop culture that ends up making its way through to the next generation, uh, two generations from now or uh, decades from now. Hmm. I agree with you in part,
1: EJ. I think I think there is something to the fact that there is. There is pop culture with a capital P. There is the, the people with the most Instagram followers. Like there's the, the people that do make the headlines in very particular ways again and again. I think that is a thing. My my thing that I'm hung up on, and I'm, I'm going to loop it back to creativity in general, is that I don't know. I feel it used to be easier. My theory is that it was easier back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and even the 90s, To have your hole that you crawl into delineated. Like it's part of your world. It's like you, like the hole that you're going to crawl into is not, I'm not saying it's easy to find, but I'm saying it's much easier. And I think with the internet, like there are so many holes you could crawl into now that we don't crawl in any holes and we're stuck on an endless treadmill of not knowing which hole to be in decisively. One could make that
3: decision, but yeah, you know. I think there's plenty. I think it's just the people not crawling into the same holes, if you will. Yeah. Sure, that, yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. There's a there's a generational relatability. I just made a, a Kelly Kapowski reference, and we all laughed because we all know what that is. Because we all had only about 50 cable channels mm-hmm. growing up, so we knew what that show was. Because we all we grew up on that, or we where we were aware of that. What I feel you were saying, Anthony, was that now with the internet and everyone watching, there being so much available. That, you know, again, you will have generations that are the same exact age growing up, but not connecting in a certain way. Just, you know, when it comes to pop culture and references, like you could reference a movie, like, oh, I could reference Ghostbusters in front of a certain amount of people and they'll all just know exactly what I'm talking about. But, you know, now there's so many movies, people, so many things, you know what I mean? Like,
0: like we, yeah, I, don't, I deal with a lot of kids and they, I, I don't disagree with where you guys are coming from, but. The algorithms still show the most people the most stuff. Okay, Like that they ba- do. baby shark thing. I no, don't know yeah, what that was. That's Greg's true. shaking his head. Right. Yeah. yeah. I don't even know what that is. Pass exactly. It kind of passed by me, but like everybody knows about it. I promise. Billions of hits. Yeah. Um There's this new one. There's was the Harvey Danger, not Harvey. <laughs> Danger. Some har. It might be Harvey Danger. Some TV show, the musical. No, it's Harvey Danger. Harvey. See, Greg knows this one too. Well,
2: Harvey Danger. Harvey Danger is the cartoon. I I know that because of work. But like, yeah, Harvey Danger is a cartoon and. And the stuff came from it.
0: So there you go. So these are these are pop culture phenomena that, yes, at, of a certain age, and especially as esoteric men <laughs> that we are. Mm-hmm. We we are we are the uh the exception to the rule, I think. We like to explore lots of different things. We like to be well-rounded with our media, mm-hmm. but I still think that most people or still act like most people. And the algorithms want most people to watch most things because the money goes. To the things that get watched the most, you know, money still rules the world and those eyes on those things that get watched the most cost more money. So I don't disagree with what you're saying. I think it's just a little bit of a combo platter. It's for sure. Like, I don't know if
1: any of y'all watch this, but there was a there's a new documentary by the by the documentary maker. Adam Curtis that came out like about a month and change ago. He does like a social commentary documentaries. He's done them for like 30 years, but he, he 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 made one called can't get you out of my head. And why I think it's really interesting is I think it addresses some of these problems. We're talking about art, but it's talk, in general, the movie is talking about the, uh, the splintering in the last hundred years of um, individuality versus being able to get behind some kind of, um, idea or plurality or uh or or just being able to unify rally behind ideas beyond ourselves and the whole history of the of the last 100 years is us living with both those thoughts in our head like you know like to think about something like a socialist uh, a more socialist society where we're caring about one another it does kind of require that we can get behind other ideas And how I'm going to relate this back to art is I think we're living in a time of supreme individuality. So we have all of these things that we can crawl into. And I think you're right. I think you're absolutely right, EJ, that there is pop culture. There are things that just get the most hits. But how willing are these people to kind of identify with that? Like they're going to put their personality, they're going to tie it up in a bow with that thing. And what I'm arguing is that what I would be willing to argue is that people are not willing to say that they are that thing. But I feel like in the 50s, 60s, 70s, you talk to like people in bands, you know, you talk to people that were like doo-wop or you talk to people that were new wave or you talk to people that were disco. I feel like they would be like, I am this. And I think that's gone a little bit. That's very important. I mean, actually not a
3: huge fan of all of his fans, but I, Kevin Smith actually had said something when, you know, that stuck with me, which was that, you know, if you're trying to make it like said, first of all, you should be the thing that you say you are. Like, don't you know, don't don't doubt it. Like, if you're going to be a director, then be a director. Like, don't don't say, like you know, so I'm, I'm with you on that. You have to be the thing. You have to be the thing that you are. You have to truly believe in yourself and you have to really, you know, do it and and be it. And, you know, again, with all the crap that we got these days, you know, my my generation specifically, I think loved television so much that we figured out a way to carry it around with us all the time. And everyone gets a channel. Every we all get. A, everyone can have their own TV channel. You can. Have, everyone's got a radio show. You can. It can all be yours. And and again, this I touched upon this in the last interview that I did was like what to what game to what end game and generally it's like what fame like. You know, like, and what does that mean these days? Yeah. And what does that lead to? And are we talking about money, making a living, doing something like this? Is it just like ego stuff? Like, what? Why do we do it? Like, our generation, you know, it's like if you think about, you know, Game of Thrones times, like when we we're talking about that earlier. But uh, just, you know, it's like the jesters are now the kings and the queens. Like we have exonerated the entertainment, and we, you know, the entertainers are what we all. Aspire to be probably more than president. Oh, if you sure. ask a kid, yeah, they yeah. probably want to be either a you know, a a sports figure or somebody in the entertainment world is what we want to
1: be more than any right. kind of world leader. Um and that's weird. Yeah. That's that's odd yeah. to me. I agree with that. I feel like people view that, I mean, in my opinion, it's just, it, it I think it seems why people people view that because it seems like the last bastion of hope for having something called personality <laughs> not being delineated from other you know politicians i think you know we 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 view them as just being so not they 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 are just reflections of money and power and things like that yeah. like i think we still this is the great hope this is why I, th- I still have hope is that i think there is something for the concept of artists as as somehow ha- having some kind of authenticity despite the fact that authenticity is a word that almost has no meaning anymore we don't even know what that means quite anymore and but i feel like artists if somebody's going to have it it's going to be an artist <laughs>
0: I also think, too, that, that a big ingredient, too, of why so many people want to do it is because it seems more accessible than ever. But just like whenever everybody's like, I want to go to Hollywood or I want to be in a band for success, not because I need to create, because yeah. that was certainly there's a there's a delineation there, right? Some people need to create right. and some people want to be famous. Um, they always ignore all these people that, that most of the people who are successful are Hard workers, Uh, that's usually the main ingredient. You need to be a hard worker or you you have to be lucky. You know, there needs to be the nepotism or or friendship or something. You know, there's always those two pieces to the puzzle. But so I think now more than ever, you know, kids see like that guy's got a million hits and I can do it because it's it's more accessible than ever to do it. Yeah. But you know, there's gonna be a billion kids who have Minecraft's uh YouTube channels, sure. but there's gonna be five that actually can make a living off of it, you know? And yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh but so, do you think here's here's a know. question
1: for you, AJ, though. Do you feel as though those those five, say there are say that's like literally true. Say that there are five people out of a million that make it because they have found this thing and they're and they say to themselves, I can do that. I can make I can make myself in that light. Are those five people the people that actually become it? My question is, is that when you are into an art, do you become the art? And is that how you make it? It's not, I feel like we're plagued by an ironic distance from art. I feel like this is the problem now, is that we can look at every person making art and always view ourselves as being, do I really want to go all in on this? And this is the question that's always in our heads. And so we never actually move forward, but the people that actually can make the jump from being in their heads about could they possibly marry this to only marrying it and being defined by it. Are those the people that make it?
0: I think that's certainly an ingredient. Um, And, and that I think that goes back to, I think we were talking off air, like what, what your art means to you and how you treat it. Like some people, it is their everything, but other people can treat it like a business. And I think that's a good delineation to make. Yeah. Like you you can you can have it be your art and who you are, but also if you want to be successful and make money from it, then you have to treat it like a business and be able to do that delineation and know when to put your heart in and when to take it out. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, but I am you know, I'm not a, I'm certainly not a millionaire, so I <laughs> think
3: maybe the, the human ambition in general just is like as an overview whether it be politics or anything else in our society, it's to somehow try to leave the biggest impact. So that when we're gone, that it, you know, someone remembers us. It's yeah. kind of like, you just kind of want to push it for a second. And if you look back at the history of the world, like, as I mentioned in in, in one of my songs, like, nobody remembers. Like, it, you end up not remembering. Like, in that, you know, I said in that song that I wrote, uh, the greatest song ever written by Swivs, where it's like, you know, the only, years from now, the only band that they'll see is the Beatles. Right. It doesn't really <laughs> matter. You know, like... Who do you know? You you know, like for every Mozart and Beethoven, there were thousands upon thousands of composers that we just don't know. We we don't know. And they're not. You know what I mean? So it's like, who like again, presidents, American presidents, like that's big because you're going to be in the books. And, you know, that's a very expensive endeavor to take on. Like, because you're going to be they're going to remember you for a while. And it's really it's kind of like a giant ego thing in a way. Cause yeah. it's like, I just want, it's the look at me. I was here as loud as you possibly can so that it echoes as long as possible. Right. Yes. So far, Jesus has got us all beat. Yeah. Jesus, everyone. <laughs> I mean, that's
1: totally true. The kicker though, the the kicker about what you're saying to, to, because I think you're totally Right. The the, the punchline of this joke is that if you're lucky enough to be remembered, you will only be misremembered. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or unremembered eventually, you know, or misremembered or if you're remembered at all. Right. If you're lucky you know? enough to be remembered, you cannot actually be remembered. You can only be misremembered.
0: Or that one version of you that you put forward, you know, because again, we're who are we? You know, we're not we're not one person, even though like to go back to what you're talking about, we get to dig it, go into our own hole. I don't think anybody Maybe maybe in our youth, you know, we go all in on on a group, you know, so that we can feel like we're part of a group, and that's whenever we're the most creative too. Ironically, you know, we're the teenager, we have our angst, and we we can identify. And then as we get older, we realize that things aren't quite that way. Right. Um. But we, you know, we want to be well rounded, and and I think probably forever we've been taught to be well rounded since well not forever. Uh, certainly within the last hundred years. Um. But do you think that uh? Do you think that Judas Iscariot was a little embarrassed to bring Jesus to that uh, that dinner there? He's like, hey, oh my
1: God. EJ, this is nuts that you're mentioning this because I've been like... That you're supposed to take that cue oh and my say, God. oh, and then we're going to wrap it up. Oh, no. <laughs> that's a perfect out. No, I'm sorry. Nope. Like, you, you just you mentioned
2: just something that up I... Another box. Way to you're go. You're embarrassing yourself, man. No,
1: I've, I've been, like, obsessed with Judas Iscariot for the last two months. I read a book last night about Judas Iscariot that is so fascinating that you should mention Judas Iscariot. We'll mention Jesus. It's not like a, it's, I have to give him no, credit. No, but this so. is the thing. It's like, okay, we're, gonna, we're, we're wrapping it up now. Now, yes, I invented Jesus. We're wrapping it up, but I feel like Judas. Judas gets a bad rap. He gets such a bad rap because he has the worst deal. Like if Jesus, <laughs> right? Jesus is the one. Jesus looks good, yeah. right? Jesus looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Like that that is God's son, and Jesus goes to heaven. However, if it weren't for Jesus, that if I mean, sorry, if it weren't for Judas, that might not have happened. It's so a win-win so for Judas, Jesus. Like goes to hell forever, is hated by everyone, but he is the one that arguably made Jesus famous. He's the catalyst. Yes, interesting. Yeah,
3: it's a lot more multifaceted than than you know than the storybook version of exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harvey Keitel is my favorite Judas. I I don't know if you've ever seen that
1: movie. Oh, Oh, yeah. Harvey nails it in Last Temptation. Yeah. He's
3: such a good 100%. Judas.
1: 100%. Uh, yeah. super. Yeah. You never expect him to be Judas either. It's perfect. I mean, it really works, but I would not have like immediately said Harvey Keitel.
0: No. They're playing Little Green Bag while he's dancing around Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, this man. probably is a good
1: place to end it, although I could go off on this. Quentin Tarantino's Last Temptation of Christ. I would love to see <laughs> Tarantino's remake. I, I would love to as well. I'd be down. Um, well, this has been wonderful. This is going to be a difficult task for EJ. I feel bad I wasn't
3: funnier. I apologize. I should, probably should have made a couple more jokes there. You were great. This was awesome, dude.
2: Before we wrap it up, Anthony, embarrassed or embarrassed for someone else?
1: Oh, embarrassed for someone else is worse, I think. But I think I'm just a little bit more comfortable because I live in a state of embarrassment, <laughs> and and because of that, and because of that, I think I've moved past. And I think the reason I dislike people, I really dislike being embarrassed for other people, because I am neurotic in that way in which I think about it all the time when I see somebody doing a thing or doing acting in a way that I I think other people think, because all it is is a guessing game about what I think other people think. And when I think other people think that they think that this person should be embarrassed, it tears me apart because (laughs) it makes me so sad to watch this person move through the world in a way where I can feel the judgment of everyone and I wish I could do something to help them, but I can't. I just I can't be like, hey, be different in the middle of a party. So it really I think about it a lot. Hey, you be different. <laughs> be
0: different. You be
2: different. <laughs> All right, but you 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 get on a train and you faceplant, and then somebody else gets on a train and they faceplant. You would rather be the one faceplanting and feeling
1: embarrassed for faceplanting? No. <laughs> Greg, let me let me tell you this. I was riding the subway about a year and a half ago, just before, about a month or two before the pandemic. Cracked loose upon the world. And I was on the subway and this is what happened. A fight broke out and it was near me. Right. And I <laughs> like other people were so calm and they got up and they like moved to another section of the train. I like jumped up out of my seat, lost my phone Oh no. and like had to like dig for my phone. And I was just running much more terrified than everyone around me. <laughs> Everybody. And I looked like just the biggest scaredy cat of all time. And then I, I got my phone and I was out of breath running to the other end of the train. And I immediately was over it. Wow. Hmm. Oh, It didn't okay. bother me. I know where that was going. It, you know, like I'm an embarrassing person. So you care about
2: if you were somebody else and you saw that, you saw yourself, let's say... um, what was his name? Well, I forget your other name for your third self. but <laughs> Entity. Entity DeAngelis. Entity. Yeah, you're Entity. And you see Anthony scrambling for his phone. You're more concerned about what everybody else is thinking about watching Anthony scramble for his phone than you are being Anthony Thinking about those
3: same people thinking about you.
1: This is complex, isn't it? This is really
3: mad. You guys are getting way metaphysical.
0: That's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Jesus. (laughs)
1: Yeah,
2: (laughs) we're talking about we're talking about religion. Let's. No, what I'm saying is maybe
1: I I am one of those people that just I don't. I'm not registering it myself, and so I've I've like resigned myself to always being in a place of like I'm an embarrassing person. (laughs) I know I'm embarrassing. (laughs) I know that I am humiliating to be with and around. And so I'm moving through it, and because I'm moving through it, then I can like look at other people and be like, that person sucks. But you're like using that
3: as carte blanche to just be horrible. You're just saying like, well, yes, I am. 100%. See, exactly. He's just
2: as horrible as we are. That's right. That is right. That's right. right.
1: Exactly. Welcome to the show.
2: Thanks for (laughs) having me. It's
1: like I have acknowledged, I've given myself, uh, I go ahead to be a piece of shit because I just assume I'm a piece of shit and then I can double down on my judgment of other people. Wow.
3: Listen, don't tell anybody I was on this show. It's too embarrassing.
0: <laughs> well, that being said, Will Swivs, where can people find you? Do you have uh, website links, Instagram, etc.? Yeah, you can find me at swivs.net. Everything you
3: need is there. Or at swivs uh, underscore at Instagram. I'm over there as well.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. We'll have links to all of Will slash Swiv's stuff on the post for Lamayac uh, for this episode over on Moot.tv. So you can dial in at
1: 929-352-6173. You can send us a text message. Let us know what you think. Let us know your thoughts. Send us other questions. We like all that stuff. We just want to be heard. We want to hear you because we love you. Um, not all of you. Most of you. <laughs> I think. It's hard to say. I haven't met you. Be different. Uh, yeah, <laughs> just, just be different. <laughs> Don't embarrass yourself. Yeah, as long as you're not embarrassing to me, <laughs> the most embarrassing person. If you're not embarrassing to the most embarrassing person of all time, you are okay. Uh, okay, or you can hit us up on Insta or Twitter at Pod. Also on Reddit at that same address. Also on Reddit. And so you can get at us there. You can send us DMs there. You can. We are often doing polls... On the Insta, there are things that you can participate in. You can leave a comment. We love to hear people's thoughts. Uh, We we usually comment on things that are thematic, but uh, sometimes we will just comment on whatever. And we love to hear your thoughts. You can also go to moot.tv. You can buy all the swag. We want you to wear all the swag. We want to see a sea of Lamayak shirts in and around the world. Uh, I was going to say New York, but then I thought, why limit myself? Yeah. Yeah, get <laughs> ambitious. How about the universe? <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so you can get in on that wherever you are listening. Uh, and you can also listen to the other podcasts. You can listen to the Derek D. Dozen. You can listen to Kyle Mocha Won't Shut Up. And you can listen to White Wasabi.
0: And do we have anything else? What do we got? Uh, also, if you'd like to donate to us, click on whatever the most recent Lamayac episode is. Click on the Donate button. It'll bring you to whatever the most recent donating platform is at the time. And uh, other than that, fuck right off. <laughs> <Go to bed>.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Just until next time, though. Then you come back. <laughs> it's been great. Have a good, have a good um, day, everybody. We'll see you next time. <laughs>
0: .tv.
3: please donate and fuck right off <laughs> give us your money fuck you
1: you fucking get out of here